let me talk about tonight's episode if I could. And, you know, this came about quickly just to set the stage here. Big changes and news in my world, as mm-hmm. you know. Uh, what we, have I, you nothing, been doing, Nothing David? that the How's pod listeners know been? about. Uh, it's something that had been building for a while, but after 12 years, I decided to move on from my job and make a career change. I don't want to get too much into it, but this was, you know, as you know, more than a job to me. Mm-hmm. It was very much synonymous with my identity. Uh, it's a job at which I accomplished a lot over that span and fostered some deep relationships and friendships with constituents. And the staff I led was very much like family to me. So uh, why would I leave? Right. But it was it was a slog coming out of the mm-hmm. pandemic. Um, I always said I'd do this job until it wasn't fun anymore. And for the first 11 years, I was really, really happy. And I never thought I'd leave. So let's just say leadership matters. Uh, yeah. Culture matters. Uh, your mental health matters. And, and all those things can change on a dime is what I learned. And uh, I say all of this because while I wrestled with the decision to move on for many months... You know, I felt good about the decision. Maybe setting the stage a little bit, you had the decision you made was one that you you were leaning into for months yeah. and just looking for the right reason or reasons to say yes. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. And and yeah. And, and and you know, the signs were there, just where was it going to take me? I was trying to figure out what are the signs telling me here. Right. But I did indeed move on at the end of February. And again, it felt like the right decision all along, but that didn't make it easy. And uh, as my last day approached, it grew harder and harder. I only had a few days off before I started my new job. Again, after 12 years of being completely in control, I took a a huge risk uh, just to move on. And I got home. uh, (laughs) This is where it gets crazy. I got home after my first day on the new job. And uh, just to get a little vulnerable here, uh, it was a a pretty crazy day. Uh, I went downstairs into the basement by myself, put on the TV for some mindless background noise and never turned on the lights. And I just sat there and I thought to really? myself, I, yeah, I thought to myself, oh shit, <laughs> what, what did I just do? Right. No kidding. Um, and I kid you not. After I thought that my, my, my phone buzzed and I uh, picked up my phone, got a text message from our friend, Andrew Ladd. It said, have you thought about doing an episode on mid-career crisis um, and mid-career transitions? I've got a friend that would be great on the pod who has left his role as a startup CEO and has started a coaching business targeted at men of a certain age. I think he's talking about us, Gene. So I I can't tell you how strange it was. And Lad doesn't text me every day. We're friends, but it's rare, you know, that in that moment with those feelings, overwhelming me. And and it, I was like emotional. It's like, oh my God, I'm nervous. I'm scared. Uh, I get that text. And obviously I responded back. I'm like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's do this. Um, and and, uh, and here we are uh, after a few uh, back and forths. Uh, we have with us tonight just to draw him in Dave O'Connor, who is a career coach. And Dave, you know, with, with the, how rapid this kind of came together, we didn't have time to do a deep dive into your bio. So I want to bring you in and and maybe get to know you a bit as we go on the spot. Uh, But Dave, great to have you tonight. Thanks for being here. How you doing? Yeah, I'm great, guys. Um, I'm an hour behind you. So I have the privilege of not only being jet lagged and sleep deprived (laughs) and childless. (laughs) There is that. Uh, but I also have an hour advantage, so I'm I'm awesome. uh, I'm spry. I'm good. I'm get. I'm ready to go. Good, beautiful. <laughs> and Gene, we we agreed uh, with two Daves. We're going to call him Coach Dave 
And Correct. You, you can call me whatever you want. Dave, why, why don't we let you take the floor here? Um, what was your career prior to doing what you're doing now? And we'll get into what you're doing now in a little bit. Yeah. I mean, my my career, I describe as a tapestry career. I don't really like the phrase nonlinear career because it implies that there is a linear career. And, and if you are if you've even been on the single track within the same company for 30, 40 years, you didn't, it wasn't a straight line, right? Sure. So there really is no linear career. Uh, I really appreciate the the concept of like a tapestry or a, a multifaceted career, which is really what I've had. Um, the through line though is commitment, community, communication, a lot of out front, high visibility leadership, a lot of like new ventures and initiatives, whether that was in politics, PR and marketing, or where our friend, our mutual friend, Andrew and I worked together at the Chicago Tribune, um, startup leadership. I've always been a bit of like, (laughs) and I'm going through it now as, as a sole proprietor business owner, the highs and lows of being out out front and taking risks is kind of the the pond that I swim in, if you will. So um, I'm also very like a I'm as I've probably thrown out like 15 metaphors already. I'm like a I'm like a, a literary guy without an English degree or something. So um, yeah, I've been kind of all over in in terms of the country and in terms of career, and I also have a kind of interesting upbringing. Um, my dad had cerebral palsy i'm sort of my voice quivered for a second because it took me to like halfway through the day to realize today is his birthday but he also died four years ago in a week oh man um, so sorry to hear that but he had cerebral palsy and my parents were divorced so i I like to jokingly say despite my dad's disability he did so well in life he had two wives Um, (laughs) (laughs) the positive spin on things yeah. And happy he, birthday to dad. Yeah. Yes, he's probably laughing sure. at that joke right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he is a shining example of what is possible. And I like to think that I am carrying on that legacy to some degree with taking on some of the challenges and risks that I've taken on in my career um, and leading by example in that way for my clients, uh, but also in being able to help people fully thrive and, uh, move into a the next level of self-actualization as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I, I go by the term life and leadership coach. I don't really love the phrase life coach because it's got a bit of a stigma like out there in the world. But, you know, ultimately I traffic in empowering people uh, towards self-actualization. Mm. So it can go empowering beyond professional counseling. Self. Yeah. So yeah. I did in your, as you were talking to us, I did text David uh, the three C's of what you said, commitment, community, and communication, it just kind of stuck and resonated with me. And I think that goes to a lot what, you know, he and I do, uh, not on these podcast airwaves, but just in life in general. I think that, you know, those are three C's that I think Dave, you and I both kind of live by as well. And I think that's, that's the mutual friendship of, of Andrew, uh, you know, saw this as a, as a wonderful opportunity. Mm-hmm. Hey, coach Dave. Mm. Was there a singular moment or collection of experiences that led you to go in this direction to say, I want to help people kind of gain control of their lives and inspire them? And yeah. 
Yeah, that's the, um, I've gotten this question. The most common way that I get this question is how did you take the leap into coaching? But I really appreciate the way that you asked that question about what was the collection of events that may have contributed to the decision, because that's what it was. Uh, this story goes all the way back to when I was 12 and I was sitting across from my friend, Alex West, and he was debating what to do about a girl that he had a crush on. And he's, we got to the end of our conversation. He was like, man, you should be like a therapist or something, right? 12 years old. First of all, I don't even know how he knew what a therapist was. I was going to say that's impressive for a 12 year old back in when we were 12 uh, years old. Yeah, right, right. 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 So, um, you know, but then through college, I was really involved with, um, student retreats, offsite retreats, student leadership. Um, I was a psychology major and I was also, my first job out of college was in a psychiatry uh, program. It was a 12 week cognitive behavioral therapy skills group therapy program taught out of the psychiatry department of the University of Vermont. Absolutely loved the experience got to the end of a year. And the position that I had is typically held by PhD candidates. And I wasn't even in a PhD program at the time. And my boss, who was an incredible woman said, here's the deal. I'll back you for the PhD or you got to hit the bricks. And I was like, I'm going to hit the bricks because <laughs> I am not even remotely ready, you know, for another six to eight years of schooling and whatnot. So, um, as you know, moved into politics, this and that, I am the proud recipient of several years of therapy myself. I've had four coaches over the course of the last seven or eight years. Hmm. And I've also been a part of men's groups and um, co-ed, like life improvement, kind of like holistic kind of life improvement experiences. So this has always been there kind of in the background or in different shades. And then while I was leading the startup that I left last summer, I, I really committed myself intensely to leading and managing from the perspective and position of a coach as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And I define that as helping my team members see themselves differently within their role and see their potential within their role and let them choose what lane that they wanted to go down in order to get the job done, whatever that was at any given time. Because I am a firm believer that wisdom created is much longer lasting than wisdom transferred. So if they could learn something on and for themselves, they're going to hold that forever, right? Relative to me just being like, you should do X. Um, and loved it. Absolutely loved it. So when I parted ways with the, uh, with that group last summer, you know, I just had some quiet time, um, really is what it is. I had some quiet time and I couldn't not hear myself when I was out. I can remember one day it was raining. It was in June and I was out for a run and it just like, just fell right into place. This is what you need to do. So Danced around it a little bit, was a little bit sheepish about it at first. It was doing some brand purpose work for some business owners. And I got to a point where I realized with a couple of them, I don't care what happens to your brand. I care about what happens to you. Mm. And that locked into place. The plan is life and leadership coaching, help people fully manifest what it is that they want in their life, regardless of the stage that they are in, in their life. I think there's a lot of like shared human experience um, and there's a lot of self-awareness, perspective shifting. Uh, and that's that's like 90% of the work, 
is like quietly internally figuring out what you need, what you want, how to hear and notice yourself differently. And then you make an action plan and you go and you notice the change, celebrate it, and then you keep going. So that is amazing and, and such a great realization uh, and, and running matters. So Dave, maybe you and I have to take our fat asses out on the treadmill <laughs> or just on the streets of downtown Cleveland or, or good ideas or come differently to different people. Oh, okay. Good point. <laughs> Mine good point. come I'll, in the shower. <laughs> I, I, that's the, my favorite place in the house. Um, so coach Dave, how do you take that methodology, that philosophy and implement it into your different clients? Because I'm assuming there's much like coaching on the field, um, uh, you know, every player takes things differently. Every, every athlete, every then individual to client, I'm assuming would be a different relationship. Um, how do you take that philosophy, that methodology and, and put it to practice for two different people here and David and I, or, or the other people mm -hmm. that you work with? Yeah. So not to use too much like wonky terminology, but I, my approach is to co-create the coaching space, meaning like the hour session twice a month with the client. So it's not my agenda. It's the client's agenda. It's not my wisdom. It's the client's wisdom. My, I consider my job to just be uh, relentlessly curious. And there's no like, there's no right question to ask at any right moment, but it's my job is to just hold the space for you with some questions that get you perked up. And then I have an, a number of different like tools that I can use, whether it's visualization exercise, um, inner leader, leader within, uh, shifting perspective, um, you know, doing a uh, personification of your saboteurs. You know, there's there's all kinds of ways that we can go. Um, and I ultimately just feel that out with the client. I mean, it's as simple as asking not just as a coach, but as a parent or as a colleague, how can I be of service to you today? Right. You know what you need. The way I look at it is as a coach, my expertise is a set of skills and a desire to help you make change. Your expertise is your life. I never make an assumption that I know anything more about your life than you do. So you bring in your life expertise. I'll bring in some of my coaching expertise. We meet in the middle and we make some things happen. Do, do you find people uh, come to you with, I guess, uh, a need for guidance in their professional lives or their personal lives more? Or is it a combination? 99% of people our age come to me through the career door. Okay, sure. And we almost immediately find ourselves in the living room. <laughs> or is that so, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. You well, can't the, two, the two are intertwined, right? Yeah. At this point in your life, they are. I, you know, it's a simple. It, it can be as simple as, well, I want to prioritize the kids, but mm -hmm. I got to make sure that you know I'm available to my colleagues who already know that the precedent is I'll be available until seven p. Okay, we're already talking about life. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's inescapable. Yeah. And it, that was that was a question that David and I were throwing around questions back and forth and. It was, you know, my my thought was, what is one of those main reasons that people of our age, <clears throat> the middle aged men, you know, why do they change careers? What is it that you see? Is it is it the financial? Is it the family? Is it the passion for what they do? Do they just want to be a better person and and go elsewhere? What is the what have you seen? What are they as seeking? A, as a, 
Yeah. What are they seeking right now in, in 2023? Purpose hmm. on balance. It, it's a craving for, especially after COVID because there were these two ish years of being home and like, having the work environment change and the social setting change, the tempo changed. Um, we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anybody, right? That happened even when we were in an office and people were coming at us all day. Is that, that humans by nature or is that middle-aged men? I think, I think that's humans by nature. Okay. I really do. Um, you know, I think that if, if you think about the the inflection point that a lot of men are at in middle age, it's have I am I doing this thing, this thing of life? Like, am I doing it with purpose? You know, you get into a chapter where it's like you don't you don't have to be doing legacy oriented work, but you're starting to get curious about whether what you're doing does contribute to a feeling of a legacy. Yeah. Right. So so you're creeping up on like is the purpose here? Is the integrity here? Am I setting the right example for my kids or my niece and nephew? Um, if I'm, you know, if you're childless, it's like, am I affecting my community the way that I thought I would when I was 12? Right. You start to get to some more of these existential questions. And then there's another element of honestly, two of the huge, and I'd love to hear from you guys. It's like on two ends of the spectrum, but they're sort of the same experience in a way boredom and burnout mm. yeah I knew, this, I knew this would be a good topic <laughs> yeah so you know let's let's ask the guy that has recently changed yeah was it boredom was it burnout was it you know double birds to those at the leadership possession <laughs> you know what is the what was it that said three four six months ago when you first asked like what was it yeah, I, I came to some realizations and, and Coach Dave, tell me if this is common or not, but um, I think I got a good uh, sense of what makes me happy and what makes me happy is, um, you know, being a servant leader, serving others, helping others, but also um, feeling like what I'm doing matters, feeling, feeling useful, um, having purpose, right? being able to satisfy my creative side, um, my problem solving, uh, side, uh, but also being appreciated too. Like those are all, all things. And, and when you, when you juxtapose that, those needs with the reality of, uh, the demands of the job are getting greater, we're getting stretched more, less time with family, more time with work, more time working right. on things that don't make me happy. I felt like something had to give. And, and that's where I, I had to make a move when I never thought I would It just kind of all rolled up. Um, and I didn't see it going the other way anytime soon. So those were, that, that was the internal battle I was having. Like, you know, can I ride this out? Can I, can I manage this? Uh, I'm comfortable, you know, is how, how important is comfort versus being challenged and motivated and happy. <laughs> so I, that, that, that was the internal struggle for me. I don't know if that answers your question, Gene, but I, I think it does. Cause coach Dave, I, I have a question for you. So professionally i i think i could be doing a heck of a lot more i think i could push myself more to to get that raise to get that promotion but i'm content i'm i'm comfortable i'm comfortable in the sense that right now i love the work that i do i i totally believe in the mission that i do uh, or that i that i live in i'm not 
overly excited about the leadership level of, of what we do, but I'm content in the fact that I have the opportunity. You had talked about legacy and, and family. I'm content in the fact that in an afternoon, I might be able to say, hey, I've got to go be here. And at that next level up, I don't know if I could do that. Um, so for years, my wife is, you know, like you said, an entrepreneur of yourself. My wife's a serial entrepreneur. Um, and it it kind of her calendar fluctuates throughout the day and and could fluctuate between days uh that in the morning she didn't know she had an afternoon meeting. Well, she has to take it. And I have to I love the fact that I have the flexibility to do what I'm able to do with the family. But then again, if I worked harder and and put a little bit more effort in, maybe there's a little bit more money. So where does that balance from a from a life coach? I'm going to ask you, where does that balance fit in? Is it financial or is it family? It's you're not you're going to hate the answer, but it's up to you. It's both. There you go. There it is. That's the answer, right? No, no, I wouldn't say it's both. I would just say it's up to you. Clearly, you it's know? family, Gene. That's, that's what you value for me. That's what I, that's what I yeah. value more. Yeah. I'd love to have more stuff at the house and more ability to do what we can do. But uh, man, I love to be able to. I, I, I today picked up my kiddos from dance. I picked up my kiddos from uh, from daycare. I picked up my kiddo from softball, and I took them to get their haircut. Like I wouldn't be able to do that if it was the next level up. Yeah, know? Coach Dave. One of the big differences between me and Gene. Gene. Gene wants to be around his kids all the time. <laughs> I want to be around them a little bit more, but not all the time. <laughs> I did just take a couple day break for myself. I'll say that, right? All right, coach, any any reactions to what you just heard? If there was like a, a visual of like a web or a wheel of life and each, you know, you cut it up like slices of a pie, every single guy's slices are going to look a little bit different in terms of how full each one is. The like objectively, when you look at that, there's no judgment. It's you're, you know, Gene, you're a 10 on family, Dave, you're a, you're, you're a 10 on family too, but differently. Right. right? Yeah. 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 And if you're, if you feel quietly, I, I, I think we all have this like inner quiet identity and it's like a tiny little whisper of a voice. Right. And it's really hard to hear sometimes with the rest of the world making noise around us. But if you can hear that quiet voice say, it's good, like you're good, just listen to that voice. That is like beyond what the world is telling you, beyond what your boss is telling you, sometimes beyond what your wife is telling you, you have to know and listen to yourself. You got to be able to hear and find that voice. And sometimes as a coach, part of my job is to help people go track that voice down. Right. And get some of like the sort of the saboteurs or like the inferiority complex or I hate the term imposter syndrome because like 90% of the world has it. So how could it possibly be a syndrome? <laughs> right. And the first word in it is irregular. If you look up the in the dictionary, it's pretty regular, right? Yeah. You know, if you feel like you you attend to your priorities, uh with a degree of respect for yourself, then that's all that, that's all that really matters. And if the guy to the left or right of you has a different set of priorities, that's all good. We get a little bit too much down each other's throats about the right thing to do. I love that you say, like, I celebrate the fact that like, 
if my wife's got one or two things going on that are like blowing up or she's got commitments, like I am the member of the family that can be more flexible, adaptable, like mm-hmm. talk about being an athlete. That's like being like an athlete, dad, you're nimble, you're flexible, adaptable. You can play the field and move around. Like he sure is. That's, that's the athlete. Dad. An I'm awesome just the dad. overweight yeah. middle-aged man. No. Um, <laughs> there you go. So I, I had a conversation, um, I feel like I'm telling a joke, right? I had a conversation last week. No, you didn't tell your joke. Um, <laughs> but I, I did have a conversation over the weekend with a friend of mine who went through um, female, but went through a career change and a realization of, I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. I want to take a year and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our conversation, I had mentioned that we were having, David, that we were having this this talk with Coach Dave. And she said, you know, I, I'd be interested to learn. And I think you touched on it, Coach Dave, of over the pandemic, did the the general population's ideal did it change from maybe our parents work hard retire have playtime later to now i kind of want to live in the now like i don't necessarily want to put forth all of this effort to make all the money and then retire at 60 and say well now i can play mm-hmm. i you know i i don't my my dad retired and four years later was gone. Uh, and he had a friend who he was in the, they were both in the education business and he went another, I'd say 10 years staying in the education because he had seen three of his friends retire and go within three years. And he's like, I can't, I'm, I'm, he was jaded. He was scared. Not that he didn't have fun, but he continued on. Whereas now I wonder, you mentioned it over the last couple of years, are people saying I can go hard or I can just throttle back a little bit and still live in the now? Yeah. I mean, I think it, I can't speak for everyone. Um, but I do think that there is a wide swath of white collar professionals that were mid career that were going like, what can I swear? Yeah. They were just going like, what the fuck am I doing? And how the fuck did I get here? Sure. And, I, and I use the F word because it's like, it's hostile. It's like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. And, and, uh, especially individuals that like they went, you know, undergrad, maybe got a graduate degree within three years after graduating college, went up a certain track, uh, you know, attended a big 10 school and then another one, you know how it goes guys. Right. (laughs) No doubt. I almost think of the the cliche of like the consultant that travels five days a week. Like consultants weren't the only ones that did that. I worked at a PR and marketing agency for five years and was all over the place. Right. I mean, the the reason I took my job at the Chicago Tribune where I met Andrew was because I wanted to do what I was doing on the road, but like here at home, finally, before that I was working in politics. I had two phones in my hand and I worked seven days a week. I can't imagine being 38, which is how old I am now. And having stayed in that career. I, I agree. Uh, right. So the pandemic like put this like it was like the record scratch. And everybody was just like, what am I doing? Everyone was almost like forced to look at why they had made some choices. Sure. Mm. So this topic of like living, living more in the now, um, I think it did probably get a lot of people wondering like, how, how, how could I live differently? How can I live more in the now? I I think it's almost too about like slower, like Mm -hmm. how can I live more slowly? 
Is like, it living in the now for the now or just slowing it down? Like, I don't know. Maybe this is a weird question to ask. I'm sorry. I don't know if like maybe I'm these are like my questions, deprived. Man. Right. Them. I'm sleep deprived. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock at night. But uh, and, and David got vulnerable. So I get to get vulnerable with him now. Um, are you you know, are people trying to live or at least if you were if you were coaching the two of us who gone through a recent change and me, I'm just terrified to ever change from what I'm doing unless I'm forced to. Um, because I love what I'm doing and I'm comfortable in it, but you know, do you live, would, would you consider people saying I'm living in the now or I'm living for the now? Probably play the if, you have, if you have song, kids, right? if you have in the now is for yourself, for the now yeah. is for the people around you. Maybe that's, I love it. You didn't there ask you me, go. but that's how I interpret coach that. Dave, coach Dave too. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it, these are my kinds of questions. So like, right. it doesn't matter if it's three in the morning. I'd Welcome still to the living room of middle-aged men on. Yeah, uh, I I think if someone is living in the now, they are practicing uh, presence and mindfulness. If someone is living for the now, they may be more doing, like mm. trying to take advantage of a moment. No judgment, but just trying to seize a moment. And there's a difference between being, right, mindfulness and doing. Mm. So you oh. could be really, really, really busy and living for the now. You could also be really, really busy and living in the now. It just depends on what gives you that flow state and that like total joy. I mean, you can also be both. You could be living for the now, trying to make the most of everything and be totally in your zone. Think of like a rock band, like right. they're on stage. They're living for the now. They just released an album. They have to tour on the album. They have to make all the money they can before they're, are, before they're irrelevant or dead. They're living for the now. And when they're on stage and they're just killing it, they are also in the now. They're yeah. like, that's like peak experience. Let me, could I ask you about how I let off the show and my, you know, my oh shit moment, if I could get back to that in a second. Um, yeah. I, I think, it, I forget the book, like the, the Radical Leap or something like that. I don't know if you've read that where, where it talks yeah, about the, oh shit uh, moments, right? Is that it? It's, it's in the room next door. I was going to say, you looked for yeah. it on the shelf. You turned and were like, you, you right got here. it. Okay. I read that years it's, ago. I could just like pop over into the other room and grab it. It's Gail <laughs> well, Hendricks, the big leap. Yeah. You're familiar with it. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so it, it talked about these moments of just kind of pushing yourself over the, so how do you reconcile? How do you, um, how do you view taking risks, which you talked about, you've taken many yourself, uh, but making sure they're calculated and, and they're not wildly um, irresponsible <laughs> mistakes and decisions. Purpose. Purpose. Um, I often say that uh, if someone's coming to me because they want to like brush up their resume and get a job in three weeks, like I'm not the coach for them. I'm the coach for the person who wants to take a step back before they refine the resume and all the cover letters and before they spray and pray all over the internet and hope that they, you know, land 10 interviews to help you get focused on purpose. And I think the like splash part of like the homepage of my website is on purpose with patience. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what I mean by that, well, there's a few different levels to it, but in the sense of like career development, it's, have a sense of purpose and every decision you make, it doesn't have to be 100% perfectly in service to the purpose. But if it's like 75%, it's like, let's just take like, like a, a or, or even like, if you're batting 330, you're doing great. Right. Yeah. 
that sometimes is the best you can hope for in baseball. That's about mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah. So cool if you thing. can take that mentality mentality and say, Hey, my purpose is to be a servant leader and engage others so they can, um, advance their career. And, you know, I can look back and be proud of that. That's, that's one version of your purpose. So you can then use that purpose as the filter through which you decide your yeses and a whole lot more no's, right? So that that changes your perspective on what is risky and what is irresponsible. Because if you decide that, if you if you run, if you, you sort of do the calculation and a, a three-month trip to India serves your purpose, then it serves your purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a, a different version of you or maybe a purposeless version of you would have like shied away from that thinking, oh, it's irresponsible. Now, well, if, if it's in line with your goals and if it's in line with a sense of purpose and direction, you're golden, go for it. And you will be much more conscientious in the experience of what you are taking away in service to your purpose that you can look back on and utilize down the road. It's almost like you're saying like, we we all need to have our own personal mission statements, vision statements and value 100%. statements, and then yes. let that drive you, right? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. You ask your clients to write down their purpose or at least to conceptualize and, and kind of at least have in the back of their head what their purpose is. Audible, yeah, I probably annoy my, my clients with the to the extent of which we talk about purpose. Gene, when you were talking about um, the balance you are seeking to strike or, or wondering if you have, have hit it in your life, the first thought that came to my mind is how would you define your purpose? Yeah. I, you know. that's, that's a great question to ask. And probably one I couldn't answer without crying at this moment uh, <laughs> as David, as, as a bit coach of a David, number two, I'm a bit of a crier. Um, but I think that that speaks to, um, you know, what you want in life, right? I mean, that's, that's purpose. That's what you want. I just if your want purpose makes you, right. I'm assuming that's tears of, oh, tears of joy, and, joy. And yeah, I just, I want to be, I honestly, and and my profession is is fundraising. It's development. It's fundraising for a health system. And um, my purpose is I just want to do what's. I just want to be better. I just want to make the 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 world I live in. And I can't make a difference. You know, the three of us can't make a difference globally. But I just want to like. I want to make the world I live in a little better place. That's my purpose. And if I could do it for the four kiddos upstairs who are hopefully sleeping at ten thirty at night, and, and the lady I love, the, yeah, that's that's what I want to do. I do. I want to piggyback on that to say that if your purpose makes you cry with joy, <laughs> you have got a fucking great purpose. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think especially as men, we think of like being stoic, being emotionally detached, having to be like you know, sort of an emotional rock for others, which is like total bullshit. But, um, you know, we, we, we tend to like a lot of men tend to put themselves in that, uh, sort of role, right. Or that identity. And the reality is the sooner you can like allow emotions to flow through you and also start to utilize them in the development of things like purpose, identity, vision, mission, legacy, you tap into like a whole new other place that is actually, it's like that quiet, that quiet identity coming out and going, this is who you are, man. Listen to me. So there you go, David, that quiet moment you had in the basement. Yeah. yeah. And that text was just, it was Jiminy Cricket saying, Hey, 
you're doing all right, brother. Well, I, I don't know why I, I believe in signs. I don't, I, sometimes they're just, they just hit you in the face, but um, you know, I, I'm a little, Gene and I are so similar in some ways and so different. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually work in the same type of, we do the same type of work and I, I just switched to the healthcare industry. So I'm doing um, not direct frontline fundraising, but advancement work for me, as he said, like he's content, he's comfortable. He's got the balance. He's happy doing what he's doing. I got to a point where I I was too comfortable and Mm -hmm. I felt like I was on autopilot and I, I wasn't growing. I wasn't learning. Uh, I wasn't developing new skills and uh, I didn't see that changing. So how important is that? You know, when you peel back the layers and you work with your clients, is that a common need for people to, to, you know, to, to be stimulated their minds? Yeah. Especially at our age. Yeah. I, I tend to work with high achievers, intelligent people, leaders, and when boredom sets in, it's a little bit of a nightmare. Um, part of that nightmare is, is, uh, there's a lot of tension between what to do with the boredom you hold and the loyalty you also have to your people. Yeah. And especially a servant leader, uh, type of personality like yourself, Dave is like, how, how dare I, right. There's this sense of like, how dare I look for something more, better, different. And no, you are exactly the person who should be looking for something more, better, different. If that is what fuels your fire, because the, the stagnant version of yourself is not doing anybody any favors, actually. Well, how, how, one thing I wrestled with was, you know, am I in a, am I in a rut? Am I in a, a lull? Will I come out of this? And I've had a few over the last 12 years on this last job, but they were short lived, you know, like I, I felt bad for myself or sorry. I was in a, you know, just in a funk and something good happened and I snapped out of it and I was good for another couple of years. Um, I couldn't get out of this one. How do you wrestle with, am I in a funk or do I need a change? It's a great question. So I don't want to give you a broad answer, but it really is kind of person specific, but your, your intuition often can tell you like what, what's happening and you may need a partner, a friend, a coach, a therapist, a sibling that might need to like act as a mirror to you. I'm looking at like the Great Lakes Brewing mirror behind you. Like sometimes you just need a mirror. Sometimes you need to be able to say it out loud and then have someone go, that sounds like a funk or like, so are you in a funk or do you want to like torch the place? What's going on? Right. So I I would say like step one is like start externally processing, like be less of a dude and like talk, talk to somebody. Yeah. Dude, I know you must've had conversations with others, but I I remember the conversation, (laughs) like it started out as a text. I was waiting for a mutual friend of ours for lunch and it started out, we were, I was a couple minutes early and we just started texting and then it got to like a 15 minute call about what you were wrestling with. Mm. And I think I got out of the car and you didn't make the decision for another month, but I got out of the car and I you was know. like, he's out. Yeah. He's out. Like yeah. it's, you know, and, and it's, it's not that he's out. It's he's ready. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's that leap and maybe we could spear, you know, transition it down to the athletic, to, you know, role where if you're a junior or if you're an underclassman, you're deciding if you're going to go, you were gone. Like you knew I've mm. done what I needed to do here. I'm uh, ready yeah. for the next challenge. You were ready at that moment. Yeah. It's often like too, I, I, I say like, 
there's a, there's a really, there's a difference between having a quandary about something or, or an inquiry and knowing what you need to do, just being afraid to do it. Those are two wildly different things. Okay. I, I love what you just said about talking to others because they're paying attention. Your close friends, your loved ones, they're watching you. Mm -hmm. They know, they know your body language. They know you better than almost as well as you know yourself and ask them, let, let, you know, ask for their, their observations. And Gene, you're yeah. right. You knew my wife knew, um, I, I had just been different, you know, she sensed yeah. it and, uh, this was, this time was different. So that's, I will say this is not, this is a vocal medium and, or an audible medium, not a visual medium. But when coach Dave was saying something earlier, your face just like, like you re like, that's exactly right. Oh. I made the right call. Like you said, your whole face changed. And like, there was a little bit of a relief said, all right, I, I did the right thing. Well, we're going to get into, maybe we'll, we'll wrap this up at the end with, you know, how to get in touch with you coach and yeah. how to, how to take advantage of your services. But I'm getting a lot out of this tonight, Gene. I think you are too. You're I more agree, lively yeah. than I thought you'd be after your, your last few days. <laughs> I told you I was excited for this conversation. <laughs> no, this is great. Just, this is great. Well, well, you're well, Dave, Dave, it's gotta yeah. be nice to know that every decision you've made is right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, let me ask you uh, just about your philosophies and what are, what are like one or two or three things that you know to be true with absolute certainty, oh. universal truths about what yeah. you do and, and the help you provide people? I actually have, I started a list of 52 truths and it turned into like 200. So this is going to be very hard. Give me three. <laughs> Give me your no, I'll keep this tight. Um, one thing that I know to be true is that we all deserve to get out of our own way. Another thing that I know to be true is we have, we all have a lot more potential than we give ourselves credit for. Mm. And I'd say the other thing that I know to be true is it's all an experiment. And the sooner we can embrace the, uh, the mindset of a, of a scientist and that everything we do is a little bit of an experiment, whether it's moving to another country, taking a new job, dating a new girl uh i mean kids is maybe the one that is experimenting <laughs> but sure you can experiment of, and all of a yeah. sudden you've got a kid nine months later we'll say that short of that um what's up jake the argument the, <laughs> the argument can be made that even even having kids is to some degree you know it's it's a very expensive experiment coach I dave mean. that's a daily experiment like yeah. just you know <sighs> Being responsible for somebody's upbringing, that's a daily experiment. You know, you you can think you're on the right track and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got a course correct here. You know what? I'll give you one. I know you asked for three. I'll give you one more, which is yeah. uh, because I was just practicing this a couple of weeks ago. You can shift perspective in an instant. And I'll give you an example. I had one of those mornings where it was like I had a terrible night's sleep. I was out on the sofa overnight. I woke up at like 4.30, but my alarm was supposed to go off at 5.30. So it was one of those like, do I try to keep sleeping? Don't I? Of course, I tried to keep sleeping and I didn't. My alarm goes off at 5.30 and I'm just pissed. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I don't know what came into my brain, but right in that moment, I said, 12 hours of positivity starts right now. Just try and I opened up a Google doc and I started a tracker like a positivity tracker and just every single moment of a positive thought, I, there were spikes and there were dips. And I wrote down every spike and every dip. This sounds exhaustive, 
didn't have a lot of meetings that day. So I was pretty good. <laughs> and uh, I here's what I noticed. I had a hell of a lot more positive spikes than dips just by virtue of orienting myself towards positivity. Mm-hmm. And every time I took a moment to appreciate the positive spike, I got an extra hit of positivity. Mm-hmm. So there's just, there's always so much we can do so quickly on perspective that doesn't cost any money. It doesn't require an app. We don't have to talk to anybody about it, although that is also wonderful. But this is one of those self-management skills, perspective shift. Anytime you need it, you can tap into it. Yeah, mindset. Mindset's so important. Yeah. Hey, that prompted another question. How do you uh, how do you channel, how do you block out negativity around you? Like whether mm. it's in the workplace or yeah. you know, your your kids' school or yeah. you know, um, how, how do you stay how do you keep that mindset and kind of block out that type of stuff that can really wear you down? Do you mean like negative thoughts or negative stimuli from outside? Uh, I would say negative stimuli in, yeah. in, in is what I was thinking, but I guess if someone really struggles, you know, with, with negativity. Oh internal, yeah. I got another I happy another, Gilmore method, block the bad, harness the good. There you go. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it, people just say like, you're so much happier if you just don't give a shit about what people think or say, but how do you not but, give but, a shit? But everybody does. Yeah. How do you not? Yeah. And, I mean, and, and I, I, I want, was... I want to please people. I want people to, to not right. be mad at me. I, I have, I'm yeah. weird like that. Like I want to be liked. <laughs> I mean, and, one of the things you can do is give a shit and then be like, ah, I guess I give a shit, you know, try to like, <laughs> try to just laugh at yourself because if you can't laugh at the situation, if you can't laugh at somebody else being a total dickhead, you can at least laugh at yourself and like your own humanity. Right. And again, it's just like get meta and sort of zoom out of yourself for a moment have some perspective shifts and be like, I am a total clown, like just fumbling through the universe, aren't I? Mm -hmm. And try to let it go a little bit. And so is that guy that's pissing me off too, right? Exactly. I had a woman, it's it's this, uh, we live in a very quiet town and there was a woman who was very upset with me for pulling out in front of her to drop my wife off for a train that the next one was going to come for 45 minutes. I think we earned the right to, to do what I had to do. And I just knew the woman was going to pull around when I left the train station and give me the finger. And lo and behold, I pull out and I see her in her white Volkswagen Jetta and she pokes her finger up and she was on the phone with somebody and giving me the finger. And all I could do was laugh. I was just like, (laughs) I love it, lady. You know, like you you just, you gotta, we all got to cut each other a little bit of slack and just have some fun with it. It, Here's another wonderful, uh, like, uh, upside of perspective shift. You could, you could literally say, how does this moment serve me? Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, you get, you get into a car accident. I mean, this is, this would be after, after the dust settles a little bit, but you get into a car accident and it's not, you know, you got all your limbs, you're good, but it's just a pain in the ass that day. You could pop out of your car and you could go for the next 45 minutes that I'm out here by my car. I'm just going to look at this and go, how does this serve me? And really not, not do it like cynically, but tr- mm-hmm. truly be like, how is this car accident going to serve me? Cause it's going to somehow. Yeah. Coach Fine. Dave, do you like soccer? I like premier league soccer. I'm just saying there's a lot of the dude who has the sign on the crooked. It says, believe a lot of lasso, a lot of lasso. <laughs> in this, And it's, 
it's not a it's 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 we a love, compliment. We, we love Coach Lasso. We love Coach Lasso, and there's a lot of that taking a football coach, throwing him overseas, and just having positivity. And I think it's it's evident in what you do. Uh, the coachability of both of us. I don't know how coachable we are. I'm hopeful that we're we're coachable. We should do a live way. coaching session sometime. This is this. I think we just did. Um, to I an think, extent, I think you just this. booked yourself for appearance number two at some. Yeah, point. this was impressive, and and I really appreciate Andrew tip of the cap, friend of show, brother to us. I mean, that was this was impactful, and I, I really appreciate it, Coach. Awesome guys. Yeah, I love it. Coach, Absolutely. we 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 jumped into things right away, and we really didn't get to um, you know your 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 company and 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 your services. So why don't we wrap up with that? Uh, tell us about um, you know uh, the services you offer and how people can find you, whether it's on social or your website. Go ahead, the floor yeah. is yours. Um, it's all pretty consistent in terms of where to find me. Uh, my company name is Hey Coach Dave. The website is www.heycoachdave.com, all one word. You can also just email me at dave at heycoachdave.com. Um, hit me up on LinkedIn. And my Instagram account is at heycoachdave as well. So it's it's all pretty consistent. Services I offer to individuals is like my typical package. is It's uh, two 60-minute sessions per month two 15 minute like speed sessions in between that over and it's all virtual. Uh, and then I, I pride myself on like hitting up my clients via text and email just when the moment strikes me. Uh, I have a client who is like going to start to train to be a beekeeper and she's got like a couple hangups. And I was at a lawn and garden center, saw something about bees and was like, Hey, shot her over. Like, that's just, that's how I roll. I'm thinking of, I'm like a third brain. You have your left brain, right brain. And then you got me over here kind of working for you as well. So, um, and then I do some, some corporate executive leadership work as well. Uh, but yeah, I would say if anybody's like, you know, interested in talking a little bit more about their specific needs, like hit me up, let's talk it out. Well, hey, Coach Dave, uh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for your flexibility tonight with our crazy schedules. And uh, there's never been a more timely episode. And this whole podcast is built around being timely with our topics. Uh -huh. Personally speaking, this is the most timely uh, episode yet. And uh, we appreciate your, your thoughts, your commentary tonight, and what you do for other people. Yeah, it was a pleasure, guys. Love to do it again, too. Thank you, Coach Thanks, Dave. Brother. This was, a, this was really, you. really cool. Really appreciate this.